We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England standing QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle, he dives, and he's in! Touchdown, 49ers! Kittle, he's gonna go! Touchdown! What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by Indeed. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the Blue Wire Network. Joining me tonight is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, Eric freaking Crocker. What's going on, man? Man, you know, just another night, you know, being a business owner and... uh, Rise up, baby. Yeah, rise up, baby. Training these athletes and, you know, just everything just kind of coming together, man. It's, It's awesome. So tell everybody, just like give us give us a give us a little brief rundown of not. I mean, I think you've already told us what your business is all about, training athletes. But just how's it going, and, and where are you at? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, really just started last week, like officially last Monday, and I feel like I'm getting like two to three new kids every single day. So it's growing really at a rapid pace. You know, the weird thing is, I've been training athletes for the last five six years in, in California. And since since I stopped playing football, and it's di- it's different in California because there's so many people that are like you know whether they're into fitness or just training athletes, um, you know there's so many people that have like their own you know gyms. So there's so much competition with just training athletes. Kids are getting pulled in a bunch of different directions. All that like do I go train with this person or that person or you know there's multiple guys that played like at a high level and all that so you have to kind of deal with that and it's just a harder 
field to kind of really be successful in and make a good living the money in California. Like, unless you get, like, shoes. Even if you get the pro guys on, you know, on your belt, like, they might shoot you something. But for the most part, you train them because it, like, more kind of, like, validates you, you know? Well, right. out here, I'm the only trainer. Like, I am the only person. So I have, you know, there are a couple kids that came today and signed up. Like, they're coming from 40 minutes away because there's nowhere else for them to go. So it's growing. And this is before me even really putting out, like, real advertisement. Like, there's this thing called Monticello Live where it's kind of like a newspaper uh, thing where you can, like, um, you can you can, you can can post to the website and, you know, your ad will be on their, like, on their front page for, like, you know, for the day. And it's, like, 40 bucks for, like, a big ad. And, like, I haven't even done that yet. Like, I haven't done any real promoting or advertising or anything other than just, like, posting to my Instagram. I posted some stuff to Facebook, created a Facebook page for my business, and I've done that, and people kind of seen that. But I haven't even really gone all in. I've never messaged a kid. I've never went out of my way to be like, oh, you know, I want these kids to train with me. Hey, come train with me. I'm over here training, like, yada, yada. I haven't done any of that. And still, it's growing growing pretty fast. And the next thing that's going to happen is, and I already know, this is going to keep keep going. I'm going to get it. I'm going to put that ad in, in the Monticello Live newspaper. It's going to grow even more. Once kids are out of football, I mean um, basketball and baseball, like once their season's over, I'm going to get a whole other wave of kids. And that's all just locally. Like once I start really getting a lot of the kids that are in the surrounding areas, like I'm, it's going to grow so fast. I'm going to have to start turning kids away. So um, I actually spoke with the owner of the building where I train these athletes. And we kind of discussed, like, okay, like, we see where this is going. You know, what's the next step? So we've already kind of started planning that just so we can stay ahead of everything. Yeah, I mean, you can watch the videos you're posting and the pictures you're posting and – I mean, you've already got that place maxed out. And like you said, you just started. And I would assume you're you're only going up from here. You know what I mean? So it, there's yeah. got to be a – it's good that, to, to hear that you're already talking about where to go next because, I mean, just knowing you and the way you do things, like I said, it, it, this seems like it's only the beginning. So, I yeah. mean, it, it, it will be cool. and. So and the next thing you told me about the people that you have in the, the you know, that working with you, like it just oh, seems yeah. like you're a, a pretty legit situation where you can almost grow to whatever you want to be. Right. So, so the next step is um, getting my nonprofit organization going. So obviously the, the, the business name is called rise athletics. So, um, you know, rise, yeah, rise athletics. And, you know, I do my training and everything. Well, a hashtag that I've been using is rise up. And I hope I don't get sued from, like, the Falcons. I don't think I'm big enough. so, But I'm pretty sure they use the same thing. But anyways, so I use the hashtag Rise Up. But I want my nonprofit organization to be called Rise Up 870, which is the area code here. And I wanted to start, you know, getting funds and grants and things like that so that I can, um, can, uh, you know, get some tutors in here to help the kids, you know, uh, with their homework and all that stuff a couple times a week. Uh, fun so I can start taking these kids on college trips. You know, that was a big part of me growing up, something that I really missed. Uh, I 
my whole goal with all of this is, you know, be the person in these other kids' lives that I needed in my life. Like, that's really, like, my whole goal. So I, I didn't have that. I didn't have anything like this. I didn't have the training. I didn't have the guidance or anything like that. Like, I didn't have anybody taking me to college and showing me, you know, universities and stuff like that, taking those type of trips. And I, that's a big thing that I really want to do, you know, with these kids in this area. So I have a big, a lot of big time, um, you know, goals and everything. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm working towards them, but you know, it's just one thing at a time. And you've, you've seen kind of, you've been on the back end with me helping, you know, whether it's with my logos and whatnot, just having these type of conversations. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's coming along. It's been awesome. The business side of things is definitely, you know, on the up. Um, that's going to do awesome. But, but really my main priority is getting that, getting that nonprofit up so I can, you know, have, you know, some things that I offer that don't cost money and that are really cool, you know, being able to go on these trips, like, you know, take them to University of Alabama into that crazy locker room, take them to LSU, um, you know, all that. Because as you guys know, I'm in Arkansas, so I'm in the south and I'm in the southeast part of Arkansas. And, uh, you know, these places aren't too far from me. Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where LSU is like, that's not too far from me. So, yeah, those are things that, man, I'm 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 really excited to 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 do so it's going and obviously i'll you know i'll continue to keep you guys updated on everything well you're getting to do what you love man anytime you you can harness what you love into a business venture then you know the odds are pretty good that you're going to succeed and you're going to do good things so yeah. uh, it's gonna it's i mean it's already fun to watch dude it's it's cool i've done little things here and there um coming up that you know kind of the same things like my own little businesses here and there that have that have done well and, and stuff like that really random stuff like you know I don't, I don't know if anybody out there knows what airsoft is but um you know it's it's fake guns that shoot plastic bbs and it's really popular here in california and it kind of evolved from paintball and when i got out of the military and got back home i had the opportunity to run a local airsoft field basically take over running it and it's like 500 acres up in the hills and with me and a buddy of mine, we basically turned that place into like a little, hey, come out and play on Saturday field to like a nationally recognized field that, you know, we would have two or three games a year that would draw like 200 to two, like 200 ish people. And, uh, you know, all to come out and play over the weekend. And it, it was like this totally random little opportunity that grew into like this legit business. And, uh, it's obviously been a little hard as of late, but it, you know, for me, it's just something on the side because I teach, but uh, you know, I know I just, the only reason I mentioned that is I know what it's like to, to take something that you enjoy and, and like doing and then turn it into a business and you already feel like you have, uh, you know, a, a leg up because you know, you have so much experience in it that you're like, I, this is what needs to happen. And I know yeah. that having been on the other side of these things, these are the things I need for this to work and you know you've got both both sides of it kind of narrowed down yeah you know having been the athlete yourself but anyways enough of crocker's bullshit (laughs) just (laughs) business ventures um so i mean obviously the 49 we don't have anything going on in 49ers world right now We, we do have some some coaching you know rumblings here and there with uh robert sala getting a lot of looks as a head coach but the most recent NFL news was the playoffs and saw some interesting things, some good games. Most of the games were good, competitive, entertaining. A couple of them weren't, but I still enjoyed watching and I felt like it was a good weekend of playoff football. Um, probably the most closely 
tying to the 49ers was the Rams facing the Seahawks in the wild card rounds and the Rams coming out on top pretty convincingly, Croc. What you I mean, what do you think of that game? Man, so yeah, it was a weird game. <laughs> uh you had this one quarterback that looked like Bobby Boucher or something. I don't know. Like his uniform was terrible. You guys know I'm the uniform police. And um yeah, we're talking about the Rams game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, just terrible. And I'm just like, they have no chance. Even when they went up like double digits, I still was like, oh, man, like Russell Wilson always does this. Like it's a slow start. They're gonna come back in the end. And then you just keep watching and watching, and I'm like, oh shit, I think. <laughs> yeah, I was going to lose, and I never just, I just never, that just never crossed my mind. Like a, a team with a hobbled Jared Goff, and that's a whole nother story. I mean, how hobbled? I, I, I have to believe that he was hurting pretty bad. But then it's like for him to not start, right? He has whatever. Well, I mean, yeah. Is. If you're gonna, if you're gonna go into the playoffs and you're not gonna start your starting quarterback, then he has to be. Pretty bad, you know. He has to be, like, dying, right? Like, that's right. what I'm, Like, there's no way. Like, I, I can't imagine another quarterback that's a starting quarterback of the team, and he's like, you know, I'm healthy enough to play, but just not start. In the biggest game of the year, right? That was a little weird to me. And, and, and then for him, the, you know, the other guy went down, and it's just like, all right, well, I'm in here. And – yeah, he played like shit, and maybe it is because of the thumb, but I, I don't know. I just – I would assume, like, any quarterback that's really confident in their abilities and he's not being benched or anything like that, I would assume he would be out there, play one, he's starting. And if I can't go because of my thumb, then, okay, sit me. But I have to give this a go. I have to give it that this a try. And that's not – what happened there? I mean, they he came off the bench for this other guy and played the entire game. So it was like, bro, you couldn't play the whole game to begin with? That was just really weird to me. That was weird, really weird to me. Well, I just – I think the Rams may have seen it as a, you know, some type of competitive advantage, you know, because the, they knew that the Seahawks probably didn't have that much tape on Wolford was his name and and he was he's kind of athletic so I think they tried to immediately tried to kind of implement some type of quarterback run game but like you said he got hurt fairly on and what's funny too is during that game kind of to your point where you're talking about the Seahawks and how they typically win games um Lindsay Thurley Thurley um she covers the Rams for ESPN tweeted at halftime Sean McVay is 36 and 0 when leading at halftime including the playoffs as the Rams take a 20 to 10 lead over the Seahawks into halftime. And when she said that, I, I'm not a big jinx guy. That's not what I thought, but I was like, yeah, fuck that. The Seahawks are going to do their thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I was like, there's no way. Like, this is just how the Seahawks do business. Uh, you know, they're, they're definitely a second half team. And they came out and and it basically stayed the same. They went into halftime twenty to ten. The end of the game, it was thirty to twenty. The Seahawks look mediocre. Um, and then you know, come to find out, Pete Carroll and the offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer were apparently button heads and and arguing about play calls and that what's that's what led to some false starts and in, in key scenarios. And they just fired uh, Brian Schottenheimer today. I think that's his name. 
Um, I'm hoping I'm not messing up his name. Yeah, because Marty, I think, is the dad. So. Right. And they just fired him today, um, citing, like, philosophical differences. And Pete Carroll came right out after the game, you know, and after the season was like, yeah, we need to run the ball more, which is hilarious because the whole thing earlier on in the season was, oh, let Russell Wilson cook. And, you know, he seemed like the obvious front runner for MVP. And then as the season went on, he just started to struggle. And at some points, just looked straight up bad. And I, I, I have no idea what to attribute all that towards. But what's funny, too, is I saw one of – did you see that? You might have seen it. That animated graphic of starting quarterback jersey sales throughout the season. And it, like, showed as the season carried on and, and like, where their jersey ranked among the top sales. Yeah, no, and, Okay, well, I mean, like, Tom Brady and, uh, you know, like, Patrick Mahomes, like, kind of stayed at the top. And what's funny is Russell Wilson's was at the top, and then right around midseason, it just started going down. <laughs> and it dropped all the way down. To like, like it seemed like out of the top ten as far as quarterbacks goes. And I was like, I was looking at it, I was like, hey, that's when he started sucking. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> straight up started buying his jerseys. And that that's a very, very small example of what I was talking about a couple of podcasts ago when we were talking about teams losing on purpose, like you can directly see, I guarantee you, you can directly see a correlation between how much money a team's bringing in and how they're performing on the field. That seems obvious to say, but you don't, I mean, one, just one of the many reasons you don't purposely lose in football is because you lose money. (laughs) You could see it in Russell Wilson's Jersey sales as, as he started to suck his jersey sales dropped through the floor, and I just thought that was hilarious. But, <laughs> I don't, but yeah, the big—I yeah. I mentioned this before the pod, and you can tell me if you—I mean, I, it really doesn't matter. It's—it's it's kind of stupid to talk about, but watching the Rams play the Seahawks, one of the main takeaways I had from that game is if the 49ers were anything close to healthy, they would have fucked both those teams up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just didn't look right, right? When you're watching it, it just you look. It looked like you're watching two bad teams. Well, and the 49ers managed to beat the Rams this year with backup quarterbacks, like and and all the injuries. Imagine if they were, I don't know, 50 percent healthier, and one of those healthy players was Jimmy Garoppolo. And we're not sitting here saying Jimmy Garoppolo is the answer, but he's a he's way way better than than Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard. And so right. it was like if the 49ers would have even been remotely healthy. And the quarterback was one of those players. Like I just feel like can they like this this division should have been theirs, and it just kind yeah. of highlights kind of how disappointing this year was. Yeah, and yeah, very disappointing. I, I think it's more disappointing just because of the narratives that are going to come out. Like I, I I hate feeling like I have to defend uh, Kyle Shanahan all the time, but it's like man, like this dude is way better than his record. Now, it's hard to, like, you know, argue with it if you just look at it on paper. But, you know, just when you watch him and you kind of know what he's able to do, especially if he has – again, you can have injuries, just not to your best players. And that was the 49ers' biggest issue this year. Like, there's one thing to have injuries. It's another thing to have the most players on IR or the mo- the most amount of salary cap tied to IR in the league. You know, that that's an issue. When it was like, you know, at one point it was like 80 something million dollars on IR. Like, what? 
<laughs> it's crazy. Well, and, that's, and that's the thing is like there's a difference between you know going into the playoffs and being like, oh man, if we would have had Nick Bosa, uh, probably would have probably would have won that game or probably would have went further. But it's not that for the 49ers. It's it's if we would have had Nick Bosa, if we would have had D Ford, if we would have had Richard Sherman, if we had Jimmy Garoppolo, if we would have had George Kittle, if we would have, you know what I mean? Like it's this just overwhelming number of players that that. I mean, it's it's not. It goes beyond just like wanting those one or two guys back. Like, oh man, if we would have just had Debo Samuel, we would have been good. You know, it was like, hey, if we would have had our team, we would have been good. Yeah, I mean, even guys like you know Quan Alexander, who you know in the grand scheme of things ended up being traded away, but I want to say when he was traded, he was on IR or he wasn't active because of injury. Right, so. he was like, yeah, he was just coming back. Like he had he had missed a ton of games and he was just coming back and and it was yeah. It was, and then the backups, backups got hurt. I, you know, I don't even want to talk about that stuff anymore. It's, it's just depressing. But um, <laughs> yeah, watching what those two what teams, somebody, man. Uh, well, go ahead, go ahead. Um, but I, I was want, just saying, uh, yeah, yeah watch, watching them, it just kind of let me know, like, you know, Forty Nine ers would have, it would have been all right. It would have been all right in the playoffs. Right. Now it does get tougher, and obviously we're going to talk about some other teams, but. Who's like who's the team for you right now? Obviously, let's not let's leave the Chiefs out of the conversation because I feel like they're kind of always considered the Buffalo. team. Buffalo, Buffalo. That's I think um, that's who I would have said too. They look good, you, man. When you can play, well, Buffalo and Packers. But um, with Buffalo, it's when you can play in any type of weather. You have a quarterback that can play in any type of weather. You have a defense that's capable of you know matching up their best corner on your on your best receiver. Uh, you know, and being able to, you know, make him work for everything that he has to get. You know, just when you're able to play defense like that, when you're able to play offense like that, and you, you, your, your, your offense is really explosive. It just makes you really tough to defend and compete against. You know, on, on both sides of the ball. So, I, I really like Buffalo. I think Josh Allen is pretty much in his zone. I thought Philip Rivers actually. You know, people looked at that game and it was. Kind of fairly close and whatnot, but Philip Rivers made some big time throws, man. I was kind of surprised. Now when he tried to shot put that damn uh, ball at the end, that Hail Mary pass, I was like, yeah, that motherfucker's not making it to the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't. But um, he made some big throws, man. Like it, that was a very competitive game, really, and it, it kind of played out how I thought it would. I knew it was going to be a good game, but moving forward, you know, you see Buffalo. Um, have to play against who was it? I just said it because of the weather. Baltimore. My money's on Buffalo. I just I just feel like they're just better suited now. Again, Lamar Jackson, special type of talent, but that's a scary team. And then obviously on the NFC, I mean the Packers. And not just because they have the best record. A lot of people look too much into them, like getting bullied by the Forty ers last year. And I had said it. I said it. Like they went thirteen and three with a first year head coach. And the, and, and the first year, everybody's in that system and, and trying to get Aaron Rodgers to buy into what they're doing. And people took away too much of the 49ers bullying them when it was like, well, the 49ers were hella good. Like, they, the 49ers were bullies. They bullied a lot of teams. Like, don't look at it like that. Like, a team went 13-3. Like, they played well. The Packers played well. And I had them going to the NFC Championship game this year against Philadelphia. That didn't work out. But um, and that was me taking the 49ers out of the picture. It's like, hey, if I if I'm not a homer, and I want to just want to act like the 49ers are not in the NFL, what two teams would I choose to pick to be in the NFC uh, championship? And it was those two teams, the Packers and the Eagles. 
But a lot of people were like, the Packers, oh, they're terrible. They're frauds. They're this and that. And it's like, my man, I expect them to be better than they were last year. And that doesn't mean that the record's going to be better. I kind of predicted 12-4, and and they went 13-3. and But I predicted that they would be better. Like, how would they not be better? You got everybody returning back. Like, you have all your key players coming back. You have another year in the system with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Like, when you have a quarterback like that, you're never going to be sorry. Like, so – I just thought that they would be really good. I like some of their players they have on defense. I think King is uh, uh, King, the, the the big corner number twenty. I think he's a little bit of a liability. But when you look at Jair Alexander, he's having an amazing year and is not being talked about. Uh, they do some other things. Uh, uh, Savage, the the kid. This I want to say this is the second year out of Maryland. He's having a really good, especially second half to the year. Uh, they're doing a lot of good things over there and. I think because everybody just has this stigma in their head about like what happened last year with them kind of being bullied by the 49ers, they let them, they let that make them feel like this team is a fraud. And I mean, I, I like a lot of what they're doing. 49ers were hella good last year. Hella like, good. Like, why would them beating down the Packers really? The, the, that was a to me that was a a showcase of how good the 49ers were. Not how bad the Packers were, and and like you said, there were so many things going to get them, and 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 now, um, you know they've had a Aaron Rodgers has had a whole year in that system, and you could tell it's just like the by the way Aaron Rodgers is playing, like he's just so comfortable, like he just is so comfortable playing in that system, and then obviously the connection between him and Devonte Adams is like unmatched, it, the the way the two of them put on a show, it, it's just crazy. We don't get to see stuff like that very often. Um, you know, some of the great quarterback wide receiver pairings, That's that's got to be up there with, with quite a few of them. And yeah. and so, yeah, I mean. It's like everything they do works, huh? Doesn't it? Right. It's, it's just like, like everything they do is just like, oh, this is going to work. Every pass they throw, they take shots downfield, and it's like, it seems like everything just, right. just works. Right. And, and then you text me, and I see, you know, it's, Damn, Devontae Adams is good, right? <laughs> but it's like he doesn't have to work too hard because he gets open, quarterback throws him the ball, balls on the money. <laughs> like, damn. Right, right. right. He gets open, and he's just barely turning his head around, and the ball is just, just is already, like, touching his hands, so he, yeah. he catches it. And, it's, and then yeah, he just it, doesn't drop it. Like, I mean, him, when he was playing in the snow a few weeks back, some of the catches that he made, I'm like, man, we're watching some special stuff here, like, this dude is dominating. <laughs> Went for like 170 in the snow. <laughs> right. That, and that, the that, moment that, you see that, you're like, oh, cool. We're going to get to watch a game where everybody just keeps running it over and over. Awesome. And then Aaron Rodgers and Devontae <laughs> Adams just deal. Like, what is this? Yeah. What is this? This isn't even helpful. But but to your point, what you mentioned earlier, I do like Green Bay. And I think Green Bay is kind of the favorite to go to the Super Bowl. But for some reason, like you mentioned, the Bills have that edge, man. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's Josh Allen. Maybe it's his connection with um, Stephon Diggs. But it's like they're just like, I don't know, man. I like, hope they, we get Bills versus Chiefs in the AFC Championship. They, and, and, and to me, that those two teams have so much alike. You know, I feel like I feel like the Bills are like a slightly grittier version of the Chiefs, you know. Not as flashy, still pretty flashy though. Not as flashy, maybe you know, just one step down. But, but 
maybe better in a different way, and I don't know what it is. It's hard to quantify I, it. You know, I, I just think feel like the Bills are, are scrappy, like they're they're made for tough games. I don't know. Yeah. Well, they their fans jump on tables, like you know, you got an edge when your fans are out there fucking each other up. <laughs> yeah, but when you think about them and you talk about the flash and stuff. When you look at like Patrick Mahomes, he's on every time you turn on the TV, there's some like Allstate or State Farm or whatever commercial with him in it. Every time, I feel like every time I'm watching anything that has to do with sports, he pops up in that damn uh, barber shop with the people that have the same haircut as him that yep. run that commercial over and over. So you always see him. So he's very pol- polarizing. Obviously, you know MVP, Super Bowl MVP, all that. And then you have Andy Reid as the coach. So it's just I think just they're just flashier in general. But then you look at Buffalo, it seems a little bit more, what, what is it called? Like blue, blue, uh, blue collar, blue collar, right? Yeah. Um, yep. That's a, that's a good way color. of describing. You, you don't know who their OC is. I, I mean, we've heard of him now, like recently, just because of like head coach, was it Bevel? What, what's his name? Bevel, right? Something like that. Daryl so Bevel, like, probably. Yeah. I feel like that's wrong, but. Brian anyways, Dabble. Brian Dabble. Yeah. Okay. Dabble, Bevel. That's all I'm saying. All right. So. We didn't even know their OC's name, right? <laughs> like, uh-huh. like, he looks the like the, the Quaker Oats guy or who's the uh, diabetes guy. I, I know who their head coach is, but for whatever reason, I still can't. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, I know who it is, but I just can't think of his. I can't think of his name. I know who it right. is. I've talked about him many times. Yeah, I was like, I, I can. But I can like see it's Sean McDermott, dude. Just like they're just yeah. blue collar dudes. Yeah, and they just go about their business, and you don't really hear a whole lot about it until they're playing, and then you see it all over your timeline, like, ah, damn, Josh Allen, I want my quarterback to look like him, (laughs) you know? Uh, (laughs) 49ers would be so good with Josh Allen. (laughs) Yeah, like, (laughs) I want a mobile quarterback. Like, he's like, yeah, we all do. We all want Josh Allen, but Buffalo has him, and but that's the only time that he gets talked about. I want a a quarterback that's just like Josh Allen, but – if you even talk to me about trading draft picks, then get get out of here. <laughs> did you um did you see the 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 second team all the yeah second team all pro team second? All uh, pro I mean, I, just not not I didn't study it. No. <laughs> so there was two quarterbacks on second team all pro. Okay. Can you guess who they are? Two quarterbacks for second team all pro. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm gonna different. I'm gonna guess Josh Allen because we're talking about him, uh-huh. and then the other one, I I don't know, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Now, I think what they did was like, cause oh, and Aaron Rodgers was first team, of course. Yeah, Aaron A. Rod was first team, but there's supposed to be one first team, one second team, and they were like, ah, uh, we can't leave Mahomes off, so let's just put two quarterbacks. <laughs> like what? Right. Right, which to me is is a bigger compliment to Josh Allen than it is obviously to me that's like a Patrick Mahomes would be like get this shit out of here I don't want it if you're gonna give me this I don't want it you know right. but to me it, that that speaks to me like it's Josh Allen's spot but Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes and they're like we can't look dumb by leaving him out of here so let's just throw him in there and. Right. You know, and, and that's – and even Cole Beasley, dude, he made second-team All-Pro. Yeah. And, and yeah. Stephon Diggs made first-team All-Pro. And so did Tyreek Hill. And then so, you know, so you got how these – 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like the, the, I, you know, to your point, man, I would really love to see Bills and Chiefs at some point because those two teams just kind of have a lot of similarities. But I feel like the Bills defense might be a little more game, but I'm not, I don't, I don't have any stats to back that up. I don't, I don't know nothing. Nah, man, but yeah, that, that's the game I want to see. So I'm trying to fast forward this weekend. I mean, I'm going to be super glued into the, to the games, but of course. I want to see that. I want to see that matchup. That's what I want to see. Yeah. And then speaking of quarterbacks, like what do, I mean, what's your what are your thoughts on on Lamar Jackson right now? Like Striking Gold is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Is what the 49ers going to do with the third overall pick stressing you out? Or maybe it's something a little more personal. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide, you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com slash gold. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer for Striking Gold listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash gold. That's BetterHelp.com slash G-O-L-D. I don't know, man. He did not look good. It's he weird. was obviously a freak athlete and, and just did you know did his thing on the ground at, at least that one run. But 
I don't know. He just he didn't look very very comfortable. I th- I think I think this is what it is, dude. He's always going to be he's dangerous. Any anytime he's back there throwing, he's dangerous. But I, I think he's just always going to be an inconsistent passer. He's just always going to be. I mean, he missed on that interception. I heard Lewis Riddick say, you know, he has to throw that eight yards outside, like eight yards more outside. Like you, like you can't miss by eight yards. Like you know what I'm saying? Like far inside. I ended up calling it a punt. I, like what I call it? I said he An arm punt. <laughs> what what I call it? I don't know. I, but a lot of people try to you know interceptions is arm punts. Yeah, but that's and that's what it looked like. Um, oh, a but shot. Then he, but then he, oh, I said he like, uh, man, I gotta find this tweet now. I'm, I tweet <laughs> I'm, I'm not yeah, I know what you're talking about, dude, because he was like, yeah, he, it was there, there was like a, he needed he to be five up. yards to the right, and he threw it four yards to the left, so he was like eight or nine <laughs> yards off. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, dude, you set up in the pocket, you set your feet, you stepped into the throw, <laughs> he threw it, and was just way off, and you don't see that, like that just lets me know, unless he really. I don't know, just really focuses in on it, he's just going to be an inconsistent passer. But he's dangerous as hell. And we saw that on a couple of runs where you have him dead in the right, and he's just going to make plays with his legs. And unlike a guy like Colin Kaepernick, who's more of a straight-line guy, this guy can make you miss in the phone booth. So it's just – and then he runs faster than everybody on defense. So it's extremely difficult to defend. He's always going to be dangerous as long as he has – two healthy legs, and we saw that on Sunday. Like, they weren't supposed to win, but then he just started making plays with his legs. And well, I, I was watching I was watching the game with my dad over his house, and my dad obviously always watched the NFL. He's, a, he's, a, he's fun to watch football with because he knows his stuff, and he coached football. But we both, at the same time, after that Lamar Jackson touchdown run, we both kind of looked at each other and were like, that entire defense, especially at this phase in the season, is filled with, Elite athletes at every position, corner, safety, linebacker, don't matter. They're all elite athletes. And Lamar Jackson just made all of them look like fools. Yeah. So what does that tell you about his ability as a runner? Like, to call him a freak athlete doesn't even, like, do it justice. No. Like, he just made, like, five or six defenders, NFL playoff defenders, look like fools. He's definitely an athlete that plays quarterback more so than a quarterback that's athletic. Right. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. That's a great way of putting it. And, and it's not – and obviously neither of us are, are are playing into the stereotype as, oh, look, it's a black quarterback. Of course he can run and he can't throw. <laughs> that's not right. what we're saying. It's just literally you can watch him play, and he just doesn't even look comfortable throwing the ball. He looks like it's, he looks like somebody's making him throw the ball, but he wants to run. <laughs> yeah. But he knows that he's, his job is to throw the ball. And don't uh, don't get me wrong, Lamar Jackson makes some freaky throws from time to time. And he makes some throws. He can't make throws. Like, he, he, has a good, he has a really good arm. He sometimes makes these throws where I'm like, how the hell did that get in there? Right. Like, he will. But when it comes to, like, okay, Kyle Shanahan, right? Somebody asked me the other day, like, hey, you said Mac Jones is, like, a Kyle Shanahan quarterback. Like, what do you think exactly a Kyle Shanahan quarterback is? And I think first and foremost, right, overall, over everything, Kyle Shanahan values a quarterback that is going to execute the play call. And sometimes when you have guys like Lamar Jackson, like, I mean, obviously, yeah, for him, you have to kind of, like, change 
your play calling for him to fit him. But in the sense of like how you envision your offense, when there are guys that are like freakish athletes like that, a lot of times they're going to bail. They're going to bail on the play call. So instead of letting that, that 20 yard over develop and hanging in there, even though, damn, Pressure's kind of coming right now. Pressure's kind of coming. I'm I'm feeling the pressure around me, but I know I gotta wait one more tick so I can delete, so I can drive that that deep dig. Instead of doing that, a lot of guys who are really athletic or just athletic in general, they drop their eyes and they look to run. Well, Kyle doesn't want that. So I think some people think he doesn't want a quarterback that runs, and that's not the case. Somebody's calling my trap phone. <laughs> um, that's not the case. It's not, it's not like he um, he doesn't want somebody that is athletic. He just wants somebody that is going to execute his play call first and foremost and not bail on it, right? And typically, those guys are guys that aren't the most athletic. But when you watch guys like uh, a lot of these guys coming out now, and quarterbacks just in general, for the most part, are more athletic. So now – guys are kind of giving you a little bit more of the best of both worlds. So it's guys that can run, can do all that, but they really want to throw. You watch Justin Fields. We just watched Justin Fields last night. He did a lot of really good things where, yeah, he can run. He had long runs in the game. But there were so, there were a few times where he felt the pressure, stepped up, made a move, kept his eyes upfield, delivered the dig, the drove the dig over the middle. Like, Lamar Jackson would have t- taken off. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so. Right, right. Like, and, and I'm not saying that, that Fields is a Kyle Shanahan guy. I, I don't, I mean, that like, he likes him. I'm just saying those are the things that Kyle wants his guys to do. Now, good thing with Fields, and we'll get into some of those quarterbacks a little bit later, but he gives you the best of both worlds. And even some of these other guys, Patrick Mahomes. Now, the thing with Patrick Mahomes, and I've said this, Patrick Mahomes does bail on plays, but he's so freaking good. Like when plays break down, even though I think they sometimes break down because of him, and he'll like when his first read isn't there, he'll get to moving, but he's still keeping his eyes upfield. He's not moving to run; he's still moving to make a pass downfield, and he does that at an elite level. So you see that um, there are just guys that are more so now like they have the ability to do both, but they are still even Trevor Lawrence. He's another one. Trevor Lawrence has big time athleticism; he really does. I saw him run off on. Ohio State's defense last year for like a 75-yard touchdown run. Right? He can run. He's athletic. But you wouldn't even think that because he wants to be a passer first. So I think the the way that kind of quarterbacks are starting to come out, they're like Lamar Jackson is an extreme version of that. He can make throws, but he's just inconsistent um, because I think he deep down inside, like you said, he really wants to run. A lot of these other guys coming out, man, they're able to kind of give you the best of both worlds. And I think I think that's – I mean, obviously we could we could probably work – a little bit of conversation into the other games. The Saints handled the Bears pretty well. Um, I made a joke to you on Twitter about Mitchell Trubisky being the next 49ers quarterback. He actually had a few <laughs> impressive throws in that game, but overall it was it was exactly what yeah, it was you would expect. But that was a joke for anybody that read that. Um, I don't know. Trubisky's not anything that, that you just need, like – He's just I get maybe he'll be a last resort for some team. Um, but he's just not something you need on your team. Like it's just to me you just you don't pursue that, I guess is the best way of saying it. And then you had the Browns and the Steelers game, which was Crazy. so weird. Yeah. Like 
The Steelers actually, other than the first quarter, played a decent football game. Big Ben had a rough game, but when you're throwing it 70 times or whatever it was, uh, there's going to be some interceptions in there. Um, well, hold on. He threw like three interceptions in the first quarter. So it was yeah, just right, like, right. Yeah, three of them. <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't yeah. referring, necessarily referring to those. I was kind of referring to from there on out, they were basically an entirely passing team. And yeah. the game kind of ended on a Big Ben interception. But it was like, dude, you just – the way that whole first quarter played out. If you didn't watch that game, by the end of the first quarter, the Browns were winning 28-0, to which was just wild. Yeah. And the Steelers played like the better team for the rest of the game points-wise, but you were in a 28-0 to hole. So there was not much they could do after that, and, and it was rough. And I didn't, I didn't catch like the first, like few, like first couple series. Didn't Pittsburgh's first snap of the game go over Ben's head and into the end zone? Yeah. So, so that was the issue with how they kind of dug themselves in a hole. First play of the game, yeah, snapped way over his head too. Like not even like barely over his head, like. It was like, Pelsey, what are you doing? <laughs> it was way over his head. So that happened, and Buff, uh, uh, Browns recovered it for a touchdown. And then the next drive, he threw a tipped interception. So it went off of, like, somebody's hands or something like that, and they picked it off. Like, it was like one-hand interception, so they picked it off, set up uh, Browns in great scoring position. Then they just kind of, like, out-physicaled their defense, which was very surprising. And then the next drive, he threw another interception. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, so before you knew it, it was 21-0. Uh, and it was just like off of turning the ball over three times in your first three possessions. So from there, like you said, it was just – it just yeah, we got to throw the ball 100 times to try to stay in this game. And they did things to kind of try to, like, pull closer. They got a touchdown at the end of the first half. They came out. They You know, they scored. But they just could not get a stop to save their lives. Like, they could not get a stop. Right. And it's almost better that they're not in the playoffs anymore because the way they look down the stretch, um, you know, they were a team that started off 11-0, and and I want to say they finished 12-4, and I believe. And then, you know, so they lost, what, five out of their last six games? Yeah, everything basically yeah. fell through for them. It was really weird to watch. Like, the, the, I don't know what was the trigger for that and what what happened, but all of a sudden they just – the floor just fell out from under that team, and they just seemed like – Towards the end of the season, like, they didn't even deserve to be in the playoffs. But just by the way they'd play late in the season and the, the kind of, like, like they had, like, a negative momentum going into the playoffs. Which they is lost the exact- to Washington. Like, they lost to the Washington football team. Right. And Every time they see that, I'm like, WTF. Yeah, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a poor display of, like, offense for sure because most of that game was, like, 14-0 and then – or something like that. It was a really weird game, but just their offense and Ben Roethlisberger wasn't right. And that's a whole nother topic. Like I, I want to say he's set to make $41 million or he's, he's, I don't know if he's set to make 41 million next year, but his cap hit is 41 million. So I don't think they can really do anything with him. They just have to hope that he says, you know what, I'm shot and I, and I have to retire and they can kind of reset. <laughs> but if right. not, uh, yeah, they're just going to be in a little bit of trouble because they they don't have much cap space. You have this old ass quarterback who's clearly declining, and he stopped. It was weird. He he used to think about retiring all the time, and then now he's like, I don't know if he's not thinking about it. I don't know, but 
he won't let go. Kind of like remember Brett Favre at the end towards uh, his time with uh, the Packers, where he was like, oh, I might retire. I'm just not going to come up. And then they're like, okay, Aaron Rodgers is your time. And then and then uh, Brett Favre was like, psych, I'm back. And then he was like, <laughs> and then he tried to pull it again. They were like, nah, dude, you're not doing this this time. Like we're gonna let you go. And they like let him go. Or traded him to the Vikings. How did that? I don't remember exactly how it worked, but it worked something like that where they were like, nah, dude, we're not doing this shit anymore. <laughs> it's time to move on. It's time to move yeah. on. Well, before we before we get out of here, I want to touch on one more little quarterback topic that you already kind of mentioned. And you're kind of talking about quarterbacks and how they fit into the offense. Obviously, we got to watch the college football championship game uh, last night. Two quarterbacks played in it that will probably be first-round picks. Uh, maybe Mac Jones works his way down to the beginning of the second round or something. Um, but you just, I, I think one of the good points in that game was he had two quarterbacks who were very different stylistically. Uh, you had uh, Justin Fields, who is, is considered the second best quarterback in the draft, um, very, can play within an offense, but then can create plays on his own and go off schedule if he needs to. Um, very like dynamic athlete, but still a great arm, great thrower. And then you had Mac Jones, who for some reason seems like he gets a lot of like hate, like more hate than he deserves. Obviously, he's not impressive in any one way, particularly. He doesn't have a cannon arm, he doesn't have uh, a great mobility. Yeah, you know, he just like runs that Alabama offense extremely well, which. To me, especially when you're talking about a quarterback in the context of the 49ers, where, like you said earlier, Kyle Shanahan just wants a quarterback that's going to run his offense well. To me, you know, that could be a little bit of a compliment toward toward Mac Jones and the fact that he just runs that offense extremely well. But what did you see from, from both those? Because you've already looked at these guys in your quarterback rankings and stuff. So yeah. what did you see from both of them? And, like, did anything change for you? Not, I mean, nothing changed. I, I, I ended up bumping up uh, a field back to the you know second best quarterback, and man, like I've seen some people kind of be critical of his performance, but I thought it was really good. Me uh, too. Obviously, like, there were some, yeah, there were some throws that he missed. That is like, hey, you don't want to miss that. There, there is context now. I'm just from Lewis Riddick, you know, listening to him talk, listening to him on different podcasts, like taking scouting academy. Like you have, you have to use context. And if you don't, you'll you'll miss out on a really good player like, if you don't take the proper context. And what he means by that is Justin Fields went into this game with some hurt ribs or whatever is going on with him. Like that's not. Oh something yeah, he that's was hurt. Really- man. There were so many times where he got tackled on runs where he you could. I mean, it was clear as day. Just super wincing, slow to get up. Right. So you know there were so he wasn't as sharp as he was in the previous game, but. He made some throws where, like, even, okay, the Northwestern game, the Indiana game, those were the type of moments I was waiting for in those games. Like, where's the NFL throws? Where's the big throws? Obviously, we saw it against Clemson. Like, and he remember, he struggled against Northwestern. He struggled against Indiana after being superb early on. Early on, he was pretty much played flawless. But it was, like, really easy for him. The other games, they were a little harder. And he looked like he was pressing, and he made some bad decisions and stuff like that. So Clemson was a really big game for him. Played extremely well. Obviously, we know that. I want to see how he came back this game. But, again, he's battling through this this rib injury, and we know that he was clearly hurt. He missed a couple throws where I'm like, ah, you don't want to miss that. But 
he made a lot of big dog plays. If there's anybody that's like, oh, he had a bad game, don't listen to those people ever again about anything they're talking about with quarterbacks. All right. Dude, like I said, felt pressure very well. If there was space for him to work and climb up in the pocket, he did. I thought he worked the pocket well in that sense. Drove the ball downfield, right? We want to see those drive throws against tight coverage, and he did that. On one play, he did it, stepped up, stepped into that little pocket right there. Boom, hit the dude on the drive versus man coverage and threw the ball to the only spot where it could be completed. I thought that was a big-time play. Those are things that he's going to be asked to do at the NFL level. All right, there was another one. You and I talked about it. Time that back shoulder in the end zone. It ended up being incomplete because the receiver bobbled it. But when you talk about throwing a receiver open, he threw that ball. I mean, that was a big throw. Like That was a big league throw where it's like, dude, like, he threw that away from the defender, made it to where his receiver was able to adjust for it and keep his feet inbounds. I, I, amazing throw. Uh, he did some things like that where it's just like, wow, man, like this dude's big time talented. And obviously there are, you know, some things that I, I think sometimes his throwing motion looks a little weird. That might be something that he'll need to really focus on this offseason. Uh, but when you look at arm strength, the ability to make certain throws, NFL-level throws, like feel the pressure, and then obviously like the plays that he's able to make with his legs, like he had a long run, there's there's not much more that I want to see. And, again, he's doing it. This is against Alabama. Like last week it was against Clemson. Like we're not talking about, you know, and I know Zach Wilson, he's polarizing. I don't want to hold who he played against against him. But when you're talking about these prospects and you're saying, hey, this guy's playing against Alabama and doing the, and making these high-level plays and high-level throws, and this guy's playing against shit. Um, whoever <laughs> BYU played against him, <laughs> North Alabama, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, just one, you know, again, there's a little context, and it's like, man, this dude, Fields did it. All eyes on him. All, I mean, all everybody's, everybody's watching him against Trevor Lawrence. Like, everybody's watching these two guys and looking to compare them. And I think people were waiting to be like, see, look, this is why he's not better than Trevor Lawrence. Look at Trevor Lawrence do this and do that. And that didn't happen. It ended up being like, ah, damn, Fields is pretty damn good. Can he do it again? And I thought, yeah, the game wasn't as good as the Clemson game. I thought he made enough high-level plays, high-level throws, high-level uh, pocket movements, high-level uh, runs with, with his leg, Bringing off, ripping off big runs, showed that he wants to be a passer first. I thought he did enough good things. When you evaluate him as a prospect, it was really good. Now, now when you turn the page and you look at Mac Jones on the other side, he, I think he showed whatever you wanted to see from him. Like, can he do this? I feel like he did it. He hit the deep ball. Now, granted, I mean, you got Devontae Smith, who's like the best player in college football. And I don't want to hold that against him, but – Dude was just always open. <laughs> like, yeah, right. There was still some. There high was even times where he was just running like a post route, and he didn't even put a lot of juice on his break, and he would just run open. <laughs> like I'm like, why is nobody looking at this dude? Yeah, why are they not doubling this dude? So I mean, that was it was kind of pitch and catch, but that sideline throw that was kind of like a back shoulder, and Devonte Smith kind of like uh, adjusted to it, then toe tapped, caught it, fully extended. I thought that that was a terrific throw and obviously a great play, uh, catch by Smith. Uh, he, I thought, you know, one big thing, a knock on him, people say, oh, he's not mobile, he's not mobile. 
And I think people really confuse mobility with athleticism, right? Like there are people that are terrific athletes. You don't need a terrific athlete to play quarterback. You just need somebody that's mobile enough. And I think, you know, when you watch Mac Jones, even in this game and other games too, he made some plays with his legs, had a 10-yard run, did some things where he got outside the pocket, made some throws on the move. Like he did things where it's like, yeah, this dude's not a statue. Now you I and would, I, were kind I of, would venture to say, having watched both of them quite a bit, I think Mac Jones is just uh, as as mobile, or if not more mobile than Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's right. not that's not saying anything. I'm just saying he's not like like unable to move, and he's got pretty good pocket presence. Like he'll slide around and move around pretty well. I think he has the best pocket presence in this class. Yeah, and now, and, and one of the things I texted you about Mac Jones is like. It, that we were kind of laughing about is like, I feel like he's like Tom Brady without like, like in the beginning, you know, like he's, yeah. he's not athletic. He's, you know, but he, but he can maneuver a pocket and he just operates the offense extremely well. Like yesterday, yes, he's got hella talent, but he still completed like 80% of his passes, nine, almost 90% of his passes for 464 yards and five touchdowns. Wow. Like, you don't just get to do that in a college championship game and just be brushed off. Like, is he? Are there better quarterbacks than him in this class? Yeah, there's probably four or five of them. But I, what I was texting you was is a lot of the credit for what Mac Jones was doing was going to Devonta Smith, Najee Harris, and then um, Sarkeesian, who's the offensive coordinator. Which I, I think that's all fine, and, and that's 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 all valid. But to me, especially for what you were already saying about Kyle Shanahan, is there a hidden value or or maybe additional value in a quarterback that just proves that he can run an offense to a T and has no problem making every throw on the field? You know what I mean? Right. Like obviously he's not freaky by any means, but I just feel like if Kyle Shanahan's searching for a quarterback that's going to do nothing but sit there and and make his reads and throw to the target that Kyle Shanahan has has gotten open, it's like, damn, like, maybe. I saw I saw some tweets where people were like, oh, this is like a lateral move, like with Jimmy Garoppolo or whatever, like, but, you know, my thing, and obviously, like, we're not saying this dude's going to be coming day one be somebody that's better than Jimmy Garoppolo, but there, there are a couple things here. Because, again, everybody's fixated so much on the, like, mobility part. He, one, he's mobile enough. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm positive of that. He's mobile enough. Like, is it, like, something that I would, you know, draft top 10? No. No. I think that right there is a good point. Like, people get so fixated, like, because we're talking about Mac Jones, that has to mean that we think the 49ers are going to take him at 12 or trade up or or something. Like, we're not even saying the 49ers are going to draft him or should. We're just talking about the prospect and how he could fit into the situation. Right. So, you know – Top 10 guy? No, right? Because uh, when you're looking at guys that high, you want a little bit more elite traits. At least have some elite size or something like that, an elite arm. Uh, you know, he's lacking that. There are guys that people look, you know, the game has changed too. So you can't look at somebody like Peyton Manning, who really is like six foot five, but you can't look at somebody like Peyton Manning and say, well, he wasn't mobile. Like, dude, that was like 1998. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the, the game is changing a, a bit. The right. last of the, like, the statue dinosaur quarterbacks, they're, they're about to be out the league right now. Like, Brady's going to retire anytime now. Brady's going to retire anytime now. You look at the AFC, 
they've already kind of switched over to those type of quarterbacks. When you look at who's in the playoffs right now, Allen, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, who else? Who, who am I missing? Uh, Baker Mayfield's got a little Baker bit of food. Who, again, when when you talk about uh, is he an athlete? Is he athletic? No. But is he mobile? Yes. He moves well enough. I've seen him make plays with his legs. I've seen him have the 10-yard runs. I've seen him get out of the pocket and make uh, uh, throws on the move. He is definitely athletic enough. When you, so when you're looking at these guys, like, that's just the way the game is going. And when you look at, like, uh, uh, Mac Jones, yeah, it, it doesn't jump out to you. But, but I think he does a lot of things very well. I wouldn't take him in the top half of the first round. If I were a team like Pittsburgh Steelers who, hey, look, I got Ben Roethlisberger. I, I don't know if he's going to be around. If he is, I've I got you know, I've been swinging in the third round. we got to take somebody a little higher. I might take him at the end of the first round. You know, ideally, I think you would like Mac Jones in the second. But if I'm the Steelers, I would just draft him in the first. And I have him behind uh, Roethlisberger. We'll, you know, probably get to see him play next year. And if you like him, you have a fifth-year option on him. If you don't, you know, an end of the first round is a low option. I mean, low uh, investment. Uh, but they're in a sticky situation where it's like, well, yeah, I don't know if they can trade up from, like, pick 23 to, you know, Drive somebody really high, so that's a tough part, you know. But uh, yeah, Mac Jones, man, he did a lot of things really good. Made he made all the throws like when guys were open, he he made those throws whether it was downfield. He made all the right decisions whether it was going through his reads, checking down. Obviously, the offensive line protected extremely well for him. But I've seen him in a game where the offensive line did not protect, and it was in the bowl game last year against Michigan where he, I mean, he worked the pocket. He. Uh, by time, like he was, he did all the subtle movements. I thought that was like some of like the best pocket movement presence I've ever seen from a prospect, right? And I might be like over exaggerating, but it was really good. So I'm not worried. There's a lot of people. Oh, his offensive line really good, man. I saw this dude under pressure for an entire game, and he was just well. That, and that's another thing too. It's like is uh, is when a lot of the the people that you know. Again, I feel like a lot of people are just so eager to like find their one path that they love the most for their team and just stick with it. So if you were a Justin Fields fan before this and anybody you talked about Mac Jones, you're like, Oh man, fuck this guy. Like he, he sucks. He's, 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 you know, you know, you've seen it, but like one of the things I saw, and I think I replied to it on your Twitter or something is they were like, well, he's got Devonta Smith. He's got Najee Harris. He's got a good O-line, and he's got a, a good offensive coordinator. And I'm like, okay, well, let's just say he happens to go to the 49ers, which, again, we're not rallying for or anything like that. But he, if, let's say he just happens to go to the 49ers and gets to start. Well, he's going to have Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, if, if everybody's healthy, you know, knock on the wood there. Um, he's going to have Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Kyle Shanahan, and, like, Raheem Mostert. Yeah. So where's the difference? Like, of course, you're <laughs> playing against much better talent, but you're also surrounded by much better talent. And could the 49ers offensive line get better? Of course it could. Of course it could. But it's just like the the idea that he's got talent around him in Alabama is like some excuse as to why he can't be good. It's just it's weird because he's going to go to a 49ers team that's got hella talent and like the best offensive coordinator in the game. Like. Right. What do you okay? So th- there is a path 
No, he's not the flashy quarterback that we all love and want. You know, he's not a Zach Wilson, not a Trevor Lawrence. He's not a Justin Fields. He's not even a Trey Lance. You know, maybe from a few pure quarterback standpoints, he might have a little bit over Trey Lance, but Trey Lance has got a whole lot of like untapped potential, it seems like to me. And, but there's still a pathway to him to go into the NFL and succeed. You know, like it's, he just, to me, the fact that he just stepped in there and ran that offense to an absolute T and was making some some deep intermediate, intermediate to deep throws really consistently. Like just, it seemed like he only had to check it down to Najee Harris when it was like a design play or every so often. He just had no problem throwing the down, the ball down the field all the time. And that's a big thing where people were like, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo, like you, he's not mobile. Like, I'm like, well. This dude, at least from what I've seen right now, like, you know, in college, I get, I get it. He throws down full field ball better. He drives the ball outside the numbers better. Like, he drives the ball, like, even in, like, you know, that 15 to 20 yard range better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, obviously, it is a little different when you're doing that at the NFL level, you know, having to do it at that level and having to be consistent. But with just kind of what I'm seeing, like, those are things that – those are things, the deep ball, outside the numbers. Like, those are things Jimmy struggles with. Like, that's why Kyle Shanahan doesn't do it, <laughs> you know. Rarely throws it outside the numbers. Rarely throws it down the field unless it's schemed up. And, again, I don't want to bash Jimmy. I think Kyle has uh, created an offense that suits Jimmy's skill set. But even with – I mean, we look at some of these other quarterbacks and you look at even like a Mac Jones. I think he might be able to do a little bit more, right. I think he might be able to do a little bit more with somebody like him. There's a lot of people that compare – uh, Mac Jones to Matt Ryan coming out. Now I don't really remember. I mean, I remember him coming out of Boston College, but I don't remember like from an evaluation standpoint. But I will say, if Matt Ryan was coming out in today's game, he might be somebody that's viewed just like Mac Jones. <laughs> you know, right? I'm not saying and, he can't and, play, but he just probably wouldn't be as uh, end of the first, maybe early second. I think he'd kind of be viewed the same way. Well, and there's so many things that, like, obviously the, the mobility is something that a lot of 49ers fans yearn for and, and getting that dynamic playmaking ability. They're tired of watching Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson run circles around them. I get that. I get that. But you you were also, like, somebody like Josh Allen, who, who still had plenty of big runs against the 49ers, but he extended plays and he just made throws downfield, you know, like – you 49ers fans would be just as pissed off if they had quarterbacks in the division that were just dealing, you know, and just hitting guys downfield and constantly making throws. You know, it's just, it's kind of like a, to me, a little bit of a flavor of the week. I do think most modern NFL quarterbacks are all going to be mobile just because they're going to grow up knowing that's kind of what is expected of them. But I still think there's a huge, avenue for success for just somebody especially in a 49ers offense where Kyle Shanahan watches that backfield or watches that secondary unfold almost like he knows exactly what's going to happen and he just wants his quarterback to hit the guys that he knows deserve the ball and you know there's there's value in that too and and like I said would I would I rather have the top quarterbacks absolutely but if the 49ers ended up trading up into the first round from the second to get somebody like Mac Jones because they ended up taking somebody they liked better at pick 12 um, or, or whatever happens. I, I would see some, some optimism in that and be like, damn, okay, let's, let's see where this goes. You know, imagine if the 49ers drafted a top prospect at 12, got, got some really impressive player and then traded back up and then got a Mac Jones and you're like, damn, okay. So the 49ers now have somebody who they feel like can, 
can run their offense at a high level, and they got this other player. You know, so it it, yeah. it could be intriguing. It's just one of them. You guys have heard me all the time talk about There's the many, many options go about that, this that are in front of the 49ers right now. And that's just one of them. It's just one of them. I just feel like my, my point was being that I feel like Mac Jones is a little more impressive than people get him credit for, but obviously you can say that without saying, oh, well, he's one of the best quarterbacks and he's the one the 49ers need. That's just not really my style. All right, so one more thing we should probably touch on before we head out. Uh, as much as I'd love to just continue to talk quarterbacks for all eternity, um, the 49ers are probably going to go through some personnel flux this year. This is, you know, this seems like the one year where they can't get away with having the people they have um, for another season. And Robert Sala, the 49ers defensive coordinator, who arguably put together a more impressive season this year than he did last year, just given the amount of injuries he had to overcome and the amount of uh, personnel flux that were con- was constantly taking place on that defense. He still managed to put together uh, a top 10 defense, maybe top five in a lot of categories. He looks like he's the easy favorite or, or the, the hottest candidate, I guess you could say, right? That's, I mean, that's fair. He seems like the hottest candidate, coaching candidate this year, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a big name. There there are I, I think throughout the year he was. I think now, you know, other people have kind of really popped up as like, oh, this guy's good, this guy's good. Definitely the officer coordinator from Buffalo Bills. Um, but you know, Robert Sala definitely I think people really respect him, like who he is. He's had a lot of people vouch for him. I I heard uh on a podcast it was uh Louis Riddick saying nothing but like really great things about Robert Sala. And you know what he would bring to a to a team, and, and obviously like you know everybody that's 49er fans like you know we've seen kind of the impact that he's had on turning around this team, turning around that defense, and creating a you know a culture which kind of you know gets used a lot like the word culture, but he really did that to the point where this year with all the injuries and roster turnover that the 49ers had, the defense was still really good more times than not, really good. You know, outside like the Buffalo game when he got his ass kicked, but uh, yeah, man, like you know, it looks like the the he's the you know front runner for the Jets. Uh, you know, I I I definitely expect him to become a head coach, and that's that's saying something with all the good names that are kind of out there floating around. Office coordinator from you know the Kansas City Chiefs, and you know all these other guys. Right, and and so. The problem for the 49ers is is not only are they losing their defensive coordinator, essentially, it seems inevitable at this point. Um, he seems to be the front runner for the Jets. I know that he was also considered the front runner for the Detroit Lions. Uh, that's kind of where he came from and where he grew up, and he was a fan of the Lions. Uh, he obviously spent some time in Jacksonville. Um, he also interviewed for the, for the Falcons and the Chargers. The Chargers seem like the job that I, if I were interviewing for head coaching positions that I would want the most just given what we saw from them this year. But um, not only are you losing Robert Sala, but Robert Sala's probably first hire is going to be an offensive coordinator from the current 49ers staff. And the two odds-on favorites that get talked about the most are Kyle Shanahan, because Kyle Shanahan technically has two offensive coordinators. He has the passing game coordinator in Mike LaFleur, and then he has the run game coordinator in Mike McDaniels. And in within the building, they're called the Mikes. And they are both very, very well thought of. 
and and both are considered very very creative minds. You know, kind of brought up by Kyle Shanahan, they spend a lot of time with him, and I think that both would be trusted to kind of implement the majority of Kyle Shanahan's offense with their own twists. Now, I think a lot of people would say that you know the mind of Kyle Shanahan is the most important part of that factor and what he brings to the table, but I still think there's something to be said about you know, losing Robert Sala, then losing one, if not both of them, and then any other members of the 49ers staff that Robert Sala wants to offer a promotion um, on his team. You know, you'll have assistant coaches that get offered position coach jobs. Um, you'll have position coach guys that might get offered like a defensive coordinator spot for Robert Sala um, if he feels like he still needs to hire one. Um, and then you have, on top of all this, you also have Adam Peters, who is currently – uh, either he has already completed it or he's already scheduled for his second interview with the Carolina Panthers for their GM position. And, yeah. I mean, obviously I'm not a scout, not a coach, none of those things. Um, and, I, and I do feel like the the bulk of the 49ers' success falls directly on Kyle Shanahan. But, I mean, that's a, that's a lot to lose. If let's Let's say that – Robert Saul is gone, which seems inevitable. Let's say one of the mics goes with him. And then let's say Adam Peters, who is credited with a lot of the 49ers draft success, especially in the later rounds, uh, he goes too. I mean, that, that's a lot to lose in, in one offseason. Yeah, uh, that's a lot to lose. Um, and did you see um, that, like, Quentin Williams post? Uh, from I, – uh, no, I don't think it did. Uh, yeah, now just somebody had kind of like tagged him in something that was like, it was like Robert, it was like Robert Sala and they tagged him and then he like reposted it on Instagram. So I don't know if that just means that he's a fan of Robert Sala or maybe if he's hearing that Sala might be the next guy up. But uh, as far as Alan Peters goes, uh, ben, uh, ben, Benjamin, Benjamin, um, gosh, we just were talking about him. The Broncos guy. Oh, Albright. Yeah, Benjamin Ben Albright. I, I don't know why. I, why do I keep drawing a blank on his name? Benjamin the Broncos guy. <laughs> I know. I keep calling him that. Ben Albright. Um, he had tweeted out like a couple weeks ago. Like it was a picture and, I mean, it was like a screenshot of people saying like these certain guys. And let me see if I still have the tweet kind of pulled up. Let me pull it up so I can kind of really show you. Are you talking about him kind of pinpointing who was going to go where? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, he, I've got it right he here. Out he, right. he stretched out names originally, right? And then as guys are kind of like getting hired or kind of going like, you know, what it's looking like, he's like kind of like unscratching <laughs> names, I guess. Right. Yeah, because now he's got Casario in Houston, which you know has already happened. He's saying he yeah. has Rick Smith going to Atlanta and then Adam Peters going to Carolina. Yeah. So. And Peters is getting his second job. But, I mean, this is something he must have a good insider because this was – his first tweet was – how long ago? It seemed like almost like like a, two to three weeks ago. Right. He has some good-ass insiders or something. Right. So, I mean, I'm honestly, obviously, neither you or I are in the building. I I really have no idea how to truly credit Adam Peters versus John Lynch versus Kyle Shanahan versus Martin Mayhew, who's also gotten interviews in and of himself. Um, 
But I, I know that Adam Peters is highly thought of. He was John Lynch's, like, first hire coming from the Broncos um, to be, like, his right-hand man that would kind of, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, lead him through the ropes because John Lynch wasn't an experienced GM. And I know there were a lot of people that thought so highly of Adam Peters that they would say, well, if Adam Peters ever starts to get a serious GM look, you know, maybe Lynch becomes the director of football operations, um, gets kind of like a promotion that also gives Adam Peters a promotion to GM. Um, but I don't, that doesn't look like that's going to happen. I couldn't see the 49ers doing that at this point, just out of nowhere. It, you know, considering there's just been like, no, not even a hint that that would even, it would be considered. Right. And, so, uh, in, in other news, real quick, Deshaun Watson and Trent Williams sitting uh, next to each other, sideline at a Rockets game. That was Trent good. Williams next to him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez, man! Forty Nine ers Twitter's gonna lose their mind. I know. Now, obviously, it doesn't mean much, and you know, but it's like, hey, man, like somebody needs to pay him, and I bet Trent is probably like, dude, if if all these dudes weren't hurt, dude, we would have been like. Great. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm pretty sure that's how Trent is looking at it. Now, Trent needs to get paid. But, uh, you know. One thing I, I say about this stuff is, and we see it in basketball a lot, but it's also the case in football when people, like, you know, talk to each other and stuff like that. Like, dudes are buddies. And if your buddy is telling you, like, hey, man, Kyle Shanahan, like, cool-ass coach, bro, dope. He's nothing like Bill O'Brien that you used to play for. It's really a great organization. They're trying to take care of me. They just got to find the money. Like, But Kyle really is like a genius, dude. You kill it in his offense. Debo is tight. Ayuk is tight. Like, you know, you can sell it to where somebody like Deshaun Watson, obviously he doesn't get to choose where he goes, but he does get to choose. He has a no trade clause in his contract. So, you know, he can say, hey, these are the, you know, three teams I want to go to, and I want to prioritize San Francisco. Like, now if you can't make it work, then. You know, that's one thing, but if a trade can happen, you know, I want it to be San Francisco or I'm not accepting it, I'm just going to be disgruntled. Like, you know, it could be something like that. He has a no trade clause. So, but yeah, it's cool to kind of kind of see that. I wonder what's being said. <laughs> oh, oh you see Andre Johnson on the back of their chair. Did you see what Andre Johnson said? Oh, yeah, yeah. Basically saying, like, hold your ground, man, because ever since this dude got there, he's he's done nothing but bad things. Yeah, Ruined he's people's like, career, yeah. he said. Yeah, <laughs> like like wasting it, like wasting dudes' careers. Like that's what they do over there. So, yeah, man, all signs point to hopefully Deshaun Watson. Yeah, man, get up out of there. We'll we'll come save you. If uh, if, if just randomly to end on this note, if the Texans said we would need four first round picks for Deshaun Watson, what would you say? <laughs> I mean. Dude, like, what's I'll the limit? Three, what is the limit? I'll, I'll give you three and Jimmy. Okay. Well, I mean, Jimmy's not worth a first round pick, but I mean, that's that's a good. I mean, that's a good place to start. But it's just a kind of like a like. I'll give and that's you already been thrown around. Yeah, I'll give you three and I'll give you Jimmy. So okay, I don't have a first round pick for the next three years. Wh- whatever. I got all these other picks. I I got multiple picks because Adam. I mean, uh, because Robert Sala. Ended up being a, a head coach. So I got a couple of third-round picks that I gained. You know, I'm, I still got, you know, second-round picks. And, you know, like, you still have draft capital. So right. fuck it. Have this first right. round. Have these That's it. That's it. It's happening. This one in for the next two years. Speak it into existence, Crocker. 
Yes, sir. We'd like, right. we'll like to see that. All right. Well, we've been on here way too long. I mean, I don't know. Is it, is it ever way too long? I don't know. Whatever. Nah, if, man, if, 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 whatever. It don't matter. It don't matter. We out here. Um, all right, folks. I think that's it. I mean, we, we had to, like, record this podcast in, like, two different episodes because Crocker's uh, internet just decided to do flipping the middle finger in the middle of the thing. Hopefully you guys don't even notice. Don't even matter. Uh, we just We just keep it real with you guys. So, Appreciate everybody for listening. Um, we will probably be back on here later this week. It's Tuesday. Should be back on here Thursday. We'll we'll find something 49ers to talk about. As you can see, they always keep it keep us busy. So we'll be on here talking about something, maybe figuring out what the hell to do with all the free agents that are coming this way. But uh, we'll see. Uh, as always, I appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you for making Striking Gold what it is. Um, let's cruise through this off season. Hopefully, we before we know it, we're we're hitting up free agency in the draft because that's when it gets fun. Yeah. If um, yeah, you know, I mean, you know what it is. You guys know what it is. For another for another evening, for another episode, for another adventure. This is striking gold, and we're signing out. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.